Hello and welcome back to Multimodal. I'm your host, Baxi Future. This is a podcast about OpenAI, GPT-3, multimodal AI models like DALI. I may talk about community initiatives like DALI Mini or even this cool research paper called CARP, which was released, I think, two, like one or two weeks ago. Uh, I may go on these epic rants. I think in my second podcast, I went on like a 40-minute rant about why I think both prompt engineering and GPT-3 are bad names and how that affects the inclusivity and virality of the community and the products themselves. Um, sometimes I'll even share product-specific feedback. I'll share my experiences using products like OpenAI Codex. Uh, if this is your first time tuning in, you know, I, I just want to say this is probably like a great episode. Like if you've never been tuned into the podcast before, this is a great episode to tune in. I have like so many topics to cover. Like I went, I was just going through the list. I was like, this is like an action packed episode. So I'm going to be talking first off about WorldCoin. I, you know, it's almost ridiculous that I'm talking about this, <laughs> but it is a cryptocurrency launched by the CEO of OpenAI. Now you might be wondering, what is the CEO of an AI leader? AI, you know, the, the, the leading AI research company, what is the CEO of that company doing also launching a cryptocurrency on the side? From the outside, they don't necessarily appear related, but today I will be sharing my conspiracy theory about WorldCoin and OpenAI and how the two companies might actually be related and how they fall into some grand master plan. Now, this is a, consp this is a conspiracy theory that I have. It's not based on any inside information. This is me just looking at the two from the outside and like like a typical conspiracist conspiracy theorist connecting dots but i will be putting it out there so make sure you are stay tuned and also i'll also be talking about uh this new blog post research paper that OpenAI put out just yesterday uh, about this new version of gpt3 which can apparently solve elementary school level math problems uh this model has like a cool different approach to architecture around verifying and also just for the purposes of this conversation, and because I think it's funny, I will be calling it Math GPT-3, even though I, I don't think that's actually what it's called, but just to make it easier for for the for, for you and I to just talk about it and interact, I'll be calling it Math GPT-3. But before I get there, I wanted to first chat about OpenAI Codex and just follow up on my on my discussion last week. Uh, look, I, that, that episode, it, it was from a constructive place. I, I read both positive and negative feedback. I even read some feedback, which was like, it was like, oh, because this, this, uh, video starts with a question, like it's like, it's the headline is a question. Uh, it's not worth watching. Like, <laughs> like I was like, you didn't even watch the video and you're not like, you're just dismissing it altogether. It, you know, I have, I share points. Like I go in detail about why I feel this way about these things. And people are just so dismissive. I'm not a journalist, right? Like I'm an actual technologist. I, I write code. Uh, anyways, like, so I got like both positive and negative feedback. Uh, there were some lessons learned. So for example, like some of the questions I asked is the, the main question is, is OpenAI Codex fizzling out? Is demand for it? Is its popularity compared to something like GPT-3? Are we seeing a decline in this? Is it fizzling out? Um, I also asked, what are the uh, OpenAI Codex use cases? What are they compared to GPT-3? We had so many use cases out the gate. Uh, I like I just don't see that many OpenAI Codex use cases. Uh, and the third question I asked was, who's who's the audience? And like re-listening to my own podcast, like the last episode. 
I, I was re-listening to it, and I think the main thing I was saying is sometimes I use OpenAI Codex, and even I, I don't get it. Like, I don't get it. Like, what's the point of it? And I, I just, it just wasn't clear who, who's the audience for this product. So, um, to start with, so some of the learnings is I put out a poll both on my Twitter and my YouTube channel. I will now read out the results. So, I asked, are you actively using OpenAI Codex? And then I wrote excludes GitHub Copilot, right? Which is like a separate product, even though they're very similar. Uh, 40% said yes, actively. 33% said at first, but not anymore. So that's the category I fall in. And the remaining 26% do not even have access to, to Codex, so they can't even comment. Now, keep in mind, this is based on 15 votes on Twitter. It's a really small sample size. But the results of this are clear. Most people are not like me. OpenAI Codex is not fizzling out. They're, they continue to use it actively. Uh, and when I go to the YouTube, it's like it's like 28% yes, 13% no. This is on a bigger sample size, like 60 votes. And the remaining 60% just did not have access. So when it comes to OpenAI Codex fizzling out, I, I would say that actually I got that one wrong. Uh, I mean, I did show Google Trends data. So maybe there's something outside the community that, you know, it shows that OpenAI Codex is fizzling out and never hit GPT-3 level popularity, but within the community, and, and I think that's the important statistic here, right? That's the important um, uh, to, the important data point to look at. Um, I, you know, it, it's clear to me that Codex is, 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 is doing well. Now, how does that compare to GPT-3? That I don't know. And maybe I need to make a separate poll for GPT-3. Are you still actively using GPT-3? I suspect it may be higher, like 80%, 85%. Uh, but anyways, like maybe I'll do that poll another time. Uh, so then if people are actively using it, how are they using it? What are they using it for, right? My criticism was use cases. Uh, after talking to people who do continue to use Codex, uh, what I learned is almost the term use case. I don't think it actually applies to Codex. The way people are using it, the, the biggest category is just as a programming aid. So I'll give you an example. One use case people are using, they'll like have, they'll describe some code and have Codex write it for them before they have to write a single line of code. So they're almost using Codex to test the waters before they themselves do it. Uh, that's one example. Uh, another way is, you know, to help them comment, to, you know, help them explore different options. Uh, those kinds of things. So what I found the biggest category, the biggest bucket of OpenAI Codex is just a programmer's aid. It's just to aid in the programming process, help with programming. And I just like there are there are people on the fringes looking for use cases, right? Like like, you know, experimenting with different languages, maybe older languages, you know, combining it with different kinds of programs and application specific code, like maybe Hub HubSpot's templating language, that kind of thing. But I think for the most part, it's just a different horse. Like it's a different beast. Like it's GPT-3 is all about use cases. Like that's the fun of GPT-3. I, I just, I don't think the word use cases applies as much to Codex. I think it's mainly a programmer's aid. I think it should be pitched like that. Like it's, it's a programming aid. It can help you write code. It can help you comment your code. It can help you punch up your code. It can write code for you in advance. It can save you from having to look up documentation. It can save you from having to look stuff up on Google. It'll make it easier to integrate APIs. Like I think, I think that's, that's how it should be described and the stuff as a cool thing to explore, looking for use cases, I think that's something else, right? And so my learnings were basically around that, 
Like it's it's I think that from the people who are still using it, it's more just as an aid than necessarily a curiosity seeking use cases. Um, and then that part also made the audience a little bit more clear to me. I still think there is work that needs to be done to the product feature set, the marketing and promotion of Codex. Um, and I still feel as well, like these kinds of questions that are brought up uh, in the last episode, and I'm also expanding on this episode. I think these questions are important. Uh, sometimes I see my role in the community as somebody asking hard, important questions. And like, please keep in mind, like I'm putting my own reputation on the line doing so, right? And it's hard for me sometimes to make these kinds of episodes because I love OpenAI, I love the product so much. And I, I, I can tell these are still incredible research achievements, right? But I, the thing is, I think there's some value in somebody asking these kinds of questions, maybe a little bit more on the critical side, um, because, because perhaps it can change our trajectory. It could change the course we're on. It's never too late to change. And these things are moving fast. Maybe in the next version, it will have more of the kinds of feedback I'm putting out. And so I put out this feedback very openly and publicly. And, you know, I'm sure OpenAI, you know, sees it and, and can do, do with it what they may. But, you know, I still think it's important to, to ask these kinds of things. And often I'm asking things that nobody else is saying, <laughs> right? Uh, but it, it doesn't mean it's not important and it can't be valuable. And so anyways, that's the end of the Codex discussion. Now we're going to talk about uh, WorldCoin and like, like just the, do you ever wake up and be like, I never thought I'd say this. I never thought this would happen. <laughs> right. And like, here we are. And I've been hearing about WorldCoin that Sam Altman is involved for a while now, but uh, to just see it announced and he's like one of the main people, not just investing, but a part of it is pretty interesting. Now I have their website open here. Let's go to it. So uh, introducing WorldCoin, a new collectively owned global currency that will be distributed fairly to as many people as possible. Now, um, the idea of WorldCoin um, is basically they've created this special kind of device which can scan your actual eye. And apparently everybody's eye is unique. And once it detects a unique eye, it will it will then give you a free amount of that cryptocurrency. And so the idea of this currency is rather than having a few people who get in, who own the currency early on, the idea of this is everyone can have access to some starting amount and then therefore participate in this global cryptocurrency. And then also that way to like the ownage owner percentage stakes aren't really out of whack. Like people who got in early, people who people who hoarded and hodled and all that other stuff. Um, and, uh, and, and anyways, like it, you can't just come in with a bunch of money from the beginning and own all of it, <laughs> right? So look, I think it's cool technology. I think it's a really incredible mission. If it works, it will change the world forever. Um, uh, it's exciting. And to be honest, like I've even considered being one of the, the I, I think you could be like a host or something where you help get people's eyeballs scanned. <laughs> it's just so crazy to say, but you could get the goal of that role is you want to scan as many eyeballs as, as you can, like thousands a week, apparently. And as a result of being a host, like it's kind of like mining, uh, where you'll get crypto, like more of the, the world coin cryptocurrency for doing that. So I mean, I think it's an interesting take. I've considered participating. I think it's exciting technology. Now, here's here's where my conspiracy part kicks in with all this WorldCoin stuff. 
Like, I want you to do me a favor and just load both OpenAI's website and WorldCoin's website side by side, right? Um, and like, especially like I'm looking at the, the like a blog post and WorldCoin side to side, like it is eerily similar. The logos, the fonts, the, 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 the style of the copy and the writing, um, they almost seem like peers, not even peers, like brother and sister level kind of companies. And like, maybe the UI has to do with Sam Altman, you know, being involved in both projects. Uh, I mean, maybe it's just coincidence could be the same designer. It could be WorldCoin looking at OpenAI's website being like, we love their website. Let's make ours look like theirs. <laughs> right. It could be any number of reasons, but to start with the designs look very similar. Both companies have a huge mission, right? WorldCoin could change currency forever, how people transact money forever, right? OpenAI has a stated goal, like basically to solve and distribute, solve AGI and distribute its benefits to humanity fairly or something like that, right? Um, now, where where these two could be related, now my conspiracy theory is that I think WorldCoin could actually provide a financial mechanism for OpenAI to share the benefits, financial benefits of AI research and AI products right so for example like let, let's jump far ahead right so let's say you know there's a multimodal version of gpt3 which can do most information jobs information driven jobs um you know like it could do web design it could write code it can you know develop the product feature set you can just describe the app you want it can make it uh, it can make masterworks of art and video and promote it. <laughs> it can access a browser and sell products that it's designed. Like say it can do all that stuff right now. The people who own the models, uh, like OpenAI, they'll be making money from people hitting up that API that can do anything and everything. And also they may be making money just running their own AI to, to go you might you, you might commission the, the AI to go make these products and sell them on Amazon for you, right? So they'll be making money that way too. And so it gets to a situation in terms of wealth inequality where all the wealth may only be concentrated at OpenAI or something like that, right? And OpenAI has a, you know, altruistic mission. They have all these other, you know, very humanitarian kinds of goals as a company. They used to be a nonprofit even, right? And so... Where I think these two companies are related, I think perhaps WorldCoin may become a mechanism to distribute the financial benefits of AI research and AI products. So rather than all the wealth being concentrated at uh, OpenAI, they can, through this uh, cryptocurrency, just send everybody a payout from the benefits of AI research. And everyone will already be holding this coin. I guess you don't have to worry about taxes. You don't have to worry about paying, you know, Visa or any of the banks to do the wire transfers. You don't even need a bank account. Uh, all you need is basically your eyeballs. And I, I mean, I don't know if that also discriminates people who, you know, may have some eye condition or some something of that sort. But uh, anyways, like I, I think, you know, there may be some connection there, but this is such a crazy connection. This has so many built-in assumptions that OpenAI will become a valuable company. WorldCoin will become real. OpenAI will achieve all of their AI goals and make tons of money from it. Like, these are so many inherent assumptions that like it's beyond even a conspiracy theory. <laughs> like perhaps 
actual conspiracy theories that are out there have more feasibility than what I'm saying, right? But like, I guess I'm just putting it out there. Like, like go look at the two websites and you tell me, do they look related or not, right? Go to the OpenAI's blog and then look at uh, WorldCoin's homepage and you tell me. Uh, and, and of course, the, the biggest question is like, why is Sam Altman starting a cryptocurrency? Like he used to be the president of Y Combinator. You know, OpenAI is doing really well. They're doing incredible work. What would what would he have to do? Why would he do that, right? And look, like why why should another why should a tech bro launch another cryptocurrency, <laughs> right? Like it's almost overdone at this point. Like how many more tech bros are there, and how many more tech bros are there who are going to launch a cryptocurrency? Like this thing is so beat and done. Right now, keep in mind, they have a different approach. They have a, you know, world changing angle. They have a, you know, very altruistic mission. I respect it at all these different levels, but I think maybe there is a reason like, like Sam may also see this as a mechanism to achieve OpenAI's highest goals, maybe, maybe five, 10, 20 years down the road. And so this is a significant check chess piece onto a much longer, much bigger chess game than we realize. Uh, what's next? So back to the blog post, we are now going to be talking about the famous math GPT three. So solving math word, word, word problems. We've trained a system that solves grade school math problems with nearly twice the accuracy of a fine tuned GPT three model. Very impressive. It solves about 90% as many problems as real kids. A small sample of nine to 12 year olds scored 60% on a test from our data set while our system scored 55% on those same problems. This is important because today's AI is still quite weak at common sense multi-step reasoning, which is easy even for grade school kids. We achieve these results by training our model to recognize its mistakes so it can try repeatedly until it finds a solution that works. And so later on in the article, and I'm, I'm scrolling like they have a few examples, later on in the article they say, uh, one significant challenge in mathematical reasoning is the high sensitivity to individual mistakes. Autoaggressive models, which generate each solution taken by token, have no mechanism to correct their own errors. Solutions that veer off course quickly become unrecoverable and can be seen in the examples provided. We address this problem by training verifiers to evaluate the correctness of model-generated solutions. Verifiers are given many possible solutions, all written by the model itself, and they are trained to decide which ones, if any, are correct. To solve a new problem at test time, we generate 100 candidate solutions and then select the solution that is ranked highest by the verifier. Verifiers benefit from this inherent optionality as well as from the fact that verification is often a simple task, simpler task than generation. And so I see some charts about how much better verification is than something like fine tuning. We find that we got to get a strong boost in performance from verification as long as the data set is large enough. With data sets that are too small, we believe that the verifiers overfit by memorizing the final answers in the training set rather than learning, blah, blah. Uh, on the full training set, a 6 billion parameter verification slightly outperforms a fine-tuned 175 billion parameter model, giving a performance boost that is approximately equivalent to a 30x model size increase. Moreover, verification appears to scale scale more effectively with additional data if we extrapolate based on current results. So all of that is is a fancy way of saying 
with a much smaller model through this new verification uh, sort of architecture, I guess, uh, approach. Um, they're getting 175 billion parameter results and it's like more predictably performing well. So that they're, they're wondering if with a larger model, it will continue to perform, to perform and scale and achieve, it will continue to do well as it gets bigger. Right. Uh, so there's some promise there to, to larger model, to more compute, blah, blah. blah. So uh, I think this is exciting research. I think this demonstrates how OpenAI has got lightning in a bottle through something like GPT-3. They've had it since 2020, and now they're building on top of it, right? This is another building block. Every month or two, it appears OpenAI is launching something new, right? Codex was barely a month or two ago. Uh, I didn't get a chance to talk about it, but they launched, a, I, I think, a version of GPT-3, which can also process and summarize books uh, at a much greater level. And this is this is incredible too. Like it is solving, uh, you know, elementary school level math problems. I suspect by the end of the year, it may solve middle school level problems, and maybe by midway next year, it may solve university level math problems. <laughs> right now, I know that this this whole math area is a category near and dear to OpenAI. One of their co-founders, Ilya tweeted, I think a long time ago, something about, you know, could we use language models to solve math theorems, right? And I think there is something about people who have a very research-driven background. For some reason, they view solving math theorems as almost the peak and height of human achievement, right? Me, I, I personally, I don't like math. I hate it. I'll, like full disclosure here. But they just view it as well. Like if we could get these automated math theorems, you know, what could that mean for society? What could that mean for humanity? You know, what could be possible and what, what greater demonstration of intellect, you know, uh, could we, could we witness, right? Could, what greater form of, what greater achievement, what greater demonstration of AI, uh, advancement would it be than to solve math theorems? Right. Um, in a way, it's kind of like chess, right? People used to think if an AI could solve chess, then AI can do anything, right? I think math theorems are a whole nother level, and maybe it, it, it would be quite compelling that it can solve math theorems and people would begin to take AI and GPT-3 and these things far more seriously. Um, but with, with my opinions on math and math theorems, all of that aside, um, you know, my, my main thing is, a year from now, two years from now, what will it be able to do? And uh, what other areas are there, right? Um, I have a video upcoming at the end of this year where I'm going to be making predictions about the next year, like what to expect. Uh, my my anticipation is I, I think we're going to have like a legal version of GPT-3, like GPT-3 for lawyers and legal advice, that kind of thing. And I think we, we will see more of OpenAI just launching what, like, what I'm kind of calling like verticalized GPT-3 models, right? Like this math one, the book summary one, we may have an email engine that just is really good at writing and generating emails, right? These uh, categories of verticalization, um, they they sort of are key areas that are strategically and prob probably very profitably important to OpenAI and will bring more people into the fold. Right. And obviously with improved performance in math and these kinds of things, um, it helps people just take GPT-3 more seriously and use it at a commercial level. Uh, and so this exciting research, I'm going to continue following along and see where it goes. Um, 
And uh, I don't know what's next, honestly, folks. What are they going to announce a month from now? Right. And just as an aside, like somebody sent me like some, uh, you know, Google announcement about how they have this new kind of AI model that's coming and it can deal with all this kinds of data and all this other stuff. And on one hand, I'm like, cool, like, you know, it's great. They, they might change the game. There's still a big company, you know, it's Google. Um, on the other hand, like, I just don't see them shipping stuff. <laughs> Right, like GPT, like OpenAI will just you know ship every month or two something new and different, and like it'll be there. Like here's the examples, here's what we found, here's our findings. The research paper normally drops like a week later, and I respect it. I respect OpenAI that they are shipping product. They really are. They are hustling. They're moving fast. They're making decisions, and that's hard to do, right? Most tech companies cannot do that, and at some point they forget how to do that, right? And so, like, uh, I just, you know, this is incredible to even just to witness and be a part of. And so, yeah, congrats. Congrats to everybody involved. Who, who, who uh, for math, it was Carl Kobe, Vinit Kusaraju, and John Shulman. I apologize if I butchered Vinit's last name, but uh, this, is, this is really cool. Uh, I encourage you guys to check out the article. Let me see. Anything else to talk about this week? Nope, that's it. So uh, thank you so much for listening. You know, this podcast is available everywhere. Uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, Spotify. Make sure you add it to your uh, queue so it gets downloaded right away. It shows up at the top. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash future. And you know about my sub, my, my, my Substack newsletter, bakztfuture.substack.com. Thank you so much for listening. Have a good one. Bye.